Today we begin a new sermon series called The Gift of Forgiveness. We will explore God's forgiveness for us, our forgiveness of one another, and the ways that we come to forgive ourselves. As we read the text today from Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, I invite you to listen for the pattern of forgiveness that begins to unfold in the Gospels. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, and he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. May God bless this reading to our understanding. Which is easier, forgiveness or healing? In today's scripture lesson, Jesus raises this very question, which is easier, to tell someone that they are forgiven or to tell someone that they are healed? In the Bible, Jesus seems to be either healing someone or forgiving someone on just about every page in the Gospels, and sometimes the two stories get intertwined, and that's what happens in the story that we just read from Mark's Gospel. It, it's actually a funny story in a way. Jesus is in the house, this very crowded house, teaching the word. It's so crowded that no one else can make it inside the house. Even the front porch is overflowing with onlookers. And so these people bring this man, four friends, bring a man on a stretcher so that their friend can be healed by Jesus, but they can't get in the door. And so they decide to take him up on the roof. Can't you just see the four people climbing up on the roof and passing the stretcher up on the roof so that they are all five up there? And then they dig a hole in the roof, and the four friends lower the man on the stretcher down through the ceiling until Jesus can't help but see this one who needs to be healed. And Jesus says to him, "'Your sins are forgiven.'" And then Jesus says, stand up, take your mat, walk, and go home. A healing story and a forgiveness story all wrapped up into one story. Now, it's important that you and I are careful here because Jesus is not saying that the man's sinfulness caused the illness. In another place in the New Testament, someone says to Jesus, 
what caused a man's sin? Was it his sin? What caused the man's illness? Was it his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus says, neither one. Now, there were people in the ancient world who thought that sin caused illness, and there are people who think that today, but Jesus didn't think that. So, why do we have this story intertwined about healing and forgiveness? What is it that healing and forgiveness have in common? In the ancient world, if you were sick, you were also ostracized from the community. Lepers, for example, lived on the outskirts of town in caves. Women who were experiencing a flow of blood were not allowed to come into the temple for worship. And by healing this paralyzed man on a stretcher, Jesus has restored the man to come back into the communal life. In the same way that sin can separate us from God and from one another, we, we sometimes feel ashamed. We keep secrets in our lives. We don't want anybody to know about our addiction. Or sometimes we feel cut off from other people, people who have said words that hurt us, or people who we have hurt with our words and our actions. Forgiveness brings us back into relationship, back into community, back to our true selves. Bishop Desmond Tutu, who passed away just recently, wrote an amazing book on the topic of forgiveness. In the introduction to the book, he says that forgiveness is the journey that we take toward healing our broken parts. It is how we become whole again. Tutu says, you know, no one is born a criminal. No one is born cruel. Each of us is born whole, but that wholeness can be so easily shattered. In the New Testament, the word that is translated as healed can also be translated to make whole. As you look around the world today, where do you see the longing for wholeness? As you look around today, where do you see human lives that are fragmented or broken? I think of a man I know who is a pastor. He's a good pastor. He serves a thriving congregation. He's in his early to mid-40s, but deep down, he feels inadequate. He beats himself up because he doesn't study enough. He doesn't pray enough. He isn't spiritual enough. One time, he was on a sabbatical journey where he immersed himself into a monastic community. He lived with the monks. He prayed with the monks. He went to worship with the monks. He spent time in his small room reading, and he took long walks where he prayed and reflected. But nothing really happened for him in this experience. One day, near the end of his sojourn with the monks, he was just sitting in a small room in the monastery when something happened. Something just came over him. It was a sense of peacefulness, a sense that he was adequate enough, that God's presence was with him, that he was whole. Even for a brief moment, he glimpsed that he was whole, that he was forgiven for being a mere mortal, healing his soul, that he happened so that he could return back to the congregation that he served with a new energy and a new vitality to answer God's call. I also think of a friend I have named Sarah. 
Sarah had a stellar career in business. She made more money than she ever imagined possible coming from her humble small-town roots. But her life still felt incomplete even as her career took off and reached new heights. She felt put out with God. She felt angry at the church. She had witnessed too much hypocrisy from the so-called church leaders because what they taught on Sunday in no way aligned with how they lied and cheated come Monday. One day in midlife, she wandered back into the church and she found a new spiritual vitality, a place where she could invest her time in doing what mattered to her, and that was feeding the hungry, a place where she could form friendships with other Christians who didn't claim to know everything there was to know about God, but still longed to share the goodness and the grace of God. She experienced now wholeness, forgiveness, healing. And I think of my friend James, wicked smart, but tangled up in a marriage in his early 20s that was lifeless and bitter. I met him when he was just newly divorced and racked with self-doubt. The bad marriage had been a blow to his self-confidence. Why had he made such a bad choice? Why didn't he back out sooner? Why did he feel such guilt about leaving when he knew that this marriage was terrible for both of them? Slowly, inch by inch, James found new friends in a young adult group at a church. In this small group, they gathered for Bible study and for service projects. And in these new friendships, James found his own voice again. He found the courage to date again. He found the joy of love again. Wholeness, forgiveness, healing. Jesus says to the paralyzed man on the stretcher, take up your mat and walk. It's not just the story of one man. It's the story of all of us who have been stuck in life and found courage to risk living in new patterns of life. This pattern of Jesus repeats over and over throughout the Gospel of Mark. We read this morning from chapter 2 of Mark's Gospel, but if you were to go home this afternoon and just skim through the rest of Mark, you would read so many more stories about how Jesus restored folks, both body and soul, bringing to them a sense of deeper wholeness. Jesus reaches out to the despised tax collectors and says, come sit at the table with me, have supper. I came for the sinners, not the righteous. And then Jesus is walking down the street one day when a woman who is hemorrhaging reaches out and though she is considered untouchable, she touches the hem of Jesus's garment and immediately he senses that something has happened and he turns and look at her, looks at her and says, your faith has made you well. Jesus restores sight to the man named Bartimaeus who had been blind, and he tells him, your faith has made you whole. He cures a man who is possessed with a demon, and he says, go home so that your friends may see the mercy that God has shown to you. So today's story of the paralytic being lowered through the roof by the four friends, it is not the story of one person in one moment in history. It is the story of God embracing humanity in whatever broken places humanity finds itself. The work of God 
in this person named Jesus is to return all of us to wholeness. And that wholeness, it is not just personal. It is for all the people, for the community. The daily newsfeed of the bombings, the tanks, and the devastation in Ukraine remind all of us of the fractures in our larger world. Our own nation lacks the unity and wholeness that we long for as one people, the unity that our founders imagined and that we too imagine is still possible. In moments like these, I turn back to those brilliant theological voices who have been through times of hardship. And Desmond Tutu is one of those voices. I remember being in the room where he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in the late 1980s. I was there a week or 10 days after he had received the prize. And when I walked through the room, it was a vacant, dark room, but I could just feel the power of this little man with such bold courage. He had led his nation of South Africa through the difficulties of apartheid. He had advocated for a new community there. And when apartheid in South Africa crumbled, Tutu led the Truth and Reconciliation Committee commission that was designed not just to help individuals heal and forgive, but to help the nation heal and forgive. One day, he was interviewing a woman on the witness stand who was 19 years old. Her name was Babawa. She was testifying about how when she was eight years old, her father was murdered and dismembered. They found him with 43 separate wounds on his body. His hands had been severed at the wrist and removed. There was acid on his face. She recalls that his her little brother was only three years old when this happened. She sat on the witness stand and told about how she and her little brother and her mother had endured such heartache as they were harassed by the police, the grief that they had been through, the family hardships. And what she said to Bishop Tutu next absolutely took his breath away. She said, I would love to know who killed my father. So would my brother. We want to forgive them. We want to forgive, but we don't know who to forgive. Forgiveness is a miracle. Forgiveness heals. Forgiveness makes us whole. And this is why Jesus came to the earth, that we might know that God wants to know who we are so that God can forgive us. God longs to restore us to wholeness. And so I guess you and I, we have two options. We can continue to see ourselves as cut off from God, broken, ashamed, flawed, unworthy, a long distance away from God. Or we can imagine that God comes to raise us to new life, to claim us, to love us, to forgive us, and to make us whole. Which do you think is easier?